Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast from Compass Counseling that asked a question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm Justin Lewis. Joining me today is middle school guidance counselor, Signe Clayton. Signe has been at Lone Oak Middle School in Paducah, Kentucky for several years. She has two children of her own that are grown and have survived the middle school years. Signe and I have known each other for quite some time now, and she has agreed to talk to me about the oft-maligned middle school years. Welcome to the show, Signe. Well, thanks, Justin, and I think that's a very catchy title for middle school students. (laughs) The oft-maligned? Yes, I like that very much. (laughs) So how long have you been a guidance counselor? Well, over about 15 years I've been in counseling. I've been in education about 23 years. I started out in the middle school science classroom. Oh, okay. I didn't and know that. Yes, I enjoyed that very much, but had a little friend in the back corner that I couldn't seem to motivate and couldn't get him to stay awake, and so I went down the path of special education, hmm. and then I ended up in school counseling. Okay. And how long have you specifically been doing the counseling? Did you say 15 years? About 15 years, yes. Okay. So you must hear this all the time, speaking of the oft-maligned. Middle school years are the hardest. So as an expert, is this true? (laughs) Are the middle school years actually the hardest? Well, let's go back to that expert word, because I'm (laughs) not the expert of anything. Um, I think that every age for a child is very hard. I think that middle school um, is my passion. And for some reason, I speak their language. But I'm not going to take anything away from an elementary school counselor or a high school counselor. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is a perfect fit. It is fun. Every day is different. And I do think that I help a few students along the way. So I enjoy it very much. Okay, yes. Very diplomatic to say every age has its <laughs> challenges, but I think it is, you've heard in common vernacular, mm-hmm. people say middle school is the hardest years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what do you think is behind that? What do you think people would say that? Well, um, they are somewhere in the middle of being a child turning into a young adult. Um, they are given a little bit of freedom at the middle school level, mm-hmm. um, learning to navigate that. Um, parents are... Um, still wanting to help them a great deal with studies and social activities, but yet wanting to give them a little bit of independence. So they find themselves often not having those skills quite yet. And Mm. it's a perfect time to teach those skills um, to help them, you know, provide those soft, gentle failures Mm -hmm. and Mm. allow them to learn from those failures and to move on. So it is a tricky age, but it's, it's a fun age. Yeah. So, from the perspective of the junior high kid, like that's the perspective of the adult who's gone through it all and sees the mm-hmm. barriers, you know, mm-hmm. from the perspective of the junior high kid, what what do you think they see as challenges through the middle school years? So in my school, we have sixth, seventh and eighth grade, and it would probably be a little different in each grade. Um, sixth graders often um, have a hard time keeping up with seven periods of the day. Um, seeing lots of different students in different places during the day. Eighth Mm -hmm. graders 
more so they're kind of invincible. They're thinking about high school. They're being exposed to um, a lot of activities on the weekends from older brothers and sisters. And so a little bit different. Again, Mm -hmm. that's why it's so unique because there's such growth in those three years. Each grade has a different, a whole different level. And the sixth grade is just barely moving out of that Mm -hmm. elementary school and can maybe feel overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. all the classes and correct uh, i'm trying to think back all the way whenever i was that age and i remember whenever i first actually i was just thinking about this uh, when i was comparing the stresses of life over the over the course of somebody's Mm -hmm. life and like back in middle school it was so stressful for me to think about walking from one end of the small uh, middle school that i went to to the other like having to navigate yes what was going to happen or possibly happen to me as I walked down the straight hallway and uh, just how things change. So it's hard for us sometimes as adults to really put Mm -hmm. ourselves in the perspective of the kid and how such a small thing can be such a stressor. Very true. Cafeteria, who am I going to sit with at lunch? That's Mm -hmm. probably number one on a lot of kids lists so and i never changed schools i stayed in the same school district my entire life and so a lot of students at lone oak middle school have changed schools many times and Mm. they will you know have a new school in the middle of the year and i can only imagine the stress that they're under learning new teachers learning new friends and so um, lots going on in their little head outside of math and a <laughs> right. bell ringer and writing in your agenda. So sure. they've got a lot going on. Yeah, because they combined uh, from elementary schools. So there's a lot of new kids there, even if you've always been in yes. the area. Yeah. Um, well, so now we have intermediate schools. So we have fourth and fifth grade. So in our little Lone Oak area, um, they've been together for fourth and fifth grade, which is fairly new over the okay. last few years. But there are, we always get at the beginning of middle school, some private school kids and a lot of good parents will say, if we have to move to a new area, let's do it over the summer. So we'll have quite a bit of new students mm. at the beginning of the year. Mm. Okay. So speaking of uh, parents that are good and move in the middle of the summer, mm-hmm. What are some uh, things parents can do to make the transition from elementary school to middle school easier or uh, this intermediate school to middle school, whatever Mm -hmm. the terminology is these days? What Mm -hmm. are some things that parents could do from uh, earlier fifth to sixth grade? Well, I think in in preparing your student, again, we talked about soft failures. Parents seem to be very concerned with children making good grades. And when I say good grades, I'm, I'm, they want them to be A's and B's. And I think somewhere along the way, that good old bell curve should come into play. And a C is an average grade. <laughs> right. and I, I think Not everybody need, can be an A and B. Not student. everybody's <laughs> an A or a B. And right. um, I was probably guilty of that as a parent, too. But, um, you know, a C is an average grade. And to allow them the opportunity to earn that grade on, you know, by themselves without lots of parent um, involvement I think would produce a student who would feel good about earning those grades Mm. and and over and over again I I'm a little frustrated with parents I just want them to say to their child you know I love you the way you are and you are good and you are right the way that you are Mm -hmm. I don't need you to be something that you're not so just um, some good self-esteem and let them know that they've got some support at home, somebody that's going to stand behind them. I, I think that would go a long way. Um, 
you know, changing classes. You mentioned that seven times a day in the course of our middle school, um, sixth grade, they're going to have 13 or 14 different teachers with different expectations. And um, some teachers allow lots of movement in their class. Some teachers want you to be very still in their class. Mm, yeah. um, so helping them know that every adult in the building has value and worth, but you have to learn to figure out um, what teachers um, allow certain things. Those are difficult for adults. It's a life adults. skill in itself. Yeah, too, that's, right? that's yeah. difficult for mm -hmm. an adult. So you can imagine if you're 10 or 11 trying to figure all that right. out. So good conversations at home about that would go a long way too. Okay, so um, allowing the kid to possibly... Uh, what was your term? Soft fail? Yes, soft, fa yeah. soft yes, fail. Yes, soft failures. So that would be like not a complete crash and burn, but right. let them know that there are consequences if they don't do what they're supposed to do, basically. Absolutely. And it's something they if can they forget, mend or redo. If they like forget that. their notebook at home, mm -hmm. you know, they right. don't have to bring them the notebook. Yeah. Um, they're going to make it through the day without the notebook. They may have um, a zero on a homework assignment for that day. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's a, hard, that's a hard pill for parents to swallow. It is a hard because right. they think, I don't oh, have I, kids, but I can only imagine yes, a parent not yes. letting that fly. Yeah. Like, I helped you with that homework last night. It was laying on the kitchen table. I can't believe you forgot it. So yeah. I'll bring it to you because you need to turn that in. You need to get credit for your work. But um, again, just those natural consequences and soft failures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just to say next time you got a zero today, but tomorrow maybe you'll remember that homework assignment. Yeah, you're more likely to work to remember if you yes. don't know that you have the safety net of, yes. eh, if I forget, somebody will bring it to me. Mm -hmm. So yes. it's an important lesson to learn mm -hmm. when you're young so that whenever you're older, mm -hmm. you'll have that instilled in you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so letting the kids have a little bit more freedom is something that uh, a parent can do. Um, I was going to ask a question, kind of what is the most common mistake for good-intentioned parents? Like, sometimes we have parents that are just irresponsible, frankly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, parents that are um, well-intentioned and want to do the best they can do still mm -hmm. make mistakes. Right. And so, are there any of those that you see? I mean, I guess kind of... Yes. doing what you just said about the, the notebook or right. making I, sure I their homework is done is one of them. But You can look at it two ways. We'll go the academic route with the notebook and not turning in or not studying for a test and uh, studying for a quiz because um, expectations get a little higher in the content areas and just um, helping them know that if you don't study for a quiz, you might not make that A or B. But mm -hmm. socially, I think... Um, I learned this as a parent, and I still see this. I did not do well as a parent with this, but I can remember that when my daughter came to middle school, I um, we had come from an elementary school, and I knew most of the parents, and so we went to the cafeteria, and she was seated at a table with 15 little girls who I thought were precious because I, I knew their parents, and mm -hmm. I knew where they lived, and right. I thought that was a good table for her to sit at in the cafeteria and weeks went by and I would go through, she would be mortified if I would wave to her or speak to her in the cafeteria. But <laughs> I noticed that she had moved to a table of girls that I didn't really know much about. Mm. Um, and so a couple of days would go by and I asked her, what happened? Why, why did you move from you know table A to table B? 
And she said, Mom, those girls at Table A, she said, they whisper all the time, and they Mm. tell secrets all the time, and they don't talk nice. And I thought, just, I should have trusted her to make that good decision. Mm. I thought I knew who she needed to be around. Right. But I think it's powerful to say to your kid, I trust you, and I I think that you can make a good decision about that, and I'm going to support you. And I had to meet a whole new table of girls and their (laughs) parents, and... um, you know, that was many years ago. Looking back, she she was very wise, yeah. much wiser than I was, <laughs> and in the thick of it. And so right. I think that you have to listen to your kids about those things. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Well, shout out to Katie Greenwell. Katie Greenwell. <laughs> She's a good girl. She is. Mm-hmm. She is. Okay. So the, um, the advice there from you to the parent is to trust your mm-hmm. student that they can make good choices. You don't have to... Mm-hmm. be in charge of every single person they hang out with and right. um, even what activities they do, mm-hmm. right? We can get into that a little bit too as mm-hmm. far as letting the kids choose what activities they want to participate in. Absolutely. we've Our society's gone down the road of, um, you know, sports. Justin, we'll talk about sports. If you're a little baseball player, sometimes yeah. our parents get a little crazy with that, and we do travel ball, and we do fall ball, and we do spring ball, and we try out for this team and that team. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, I see a lot of student athletes in my office, in my counseling office, that are feeling overwhelmed mm. and don't want to let their parents down. And um, again, trying to trying to be a good athlete at the same time as they're trying to go to church and they're trying to be a good student and it's hard for the kids to manage. Mm -hmm. So, um, they've got good goals in mind and parents think they do the right thing. Let's get you a good lesson from the best person in town. But with that comes stress on the kids. And I, you know, I wish that we could all at the end of the day, go outside and play and get dirty and have dirt under our fingernails and go to the Creek and play and not have to worry about going to have a lesson and going to practice. But, I understand, though, as a parent, if you don't do those things with your kids, then the coach sometimes will not play your student, and it's just hard to manage all of that. Um, again, I was not perfect in any of that. Yeah. Um, that's just a tough situation for parents to be in. Mm-hmm. I can see that. and It's like the ship has sailed if when it comes to scaling that back it seems like Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. so much of that Mm -hmm. i know there's a another conversation out there about how kids just get kind of pigeonholed into one sport yes and then there's so much time and yes invested in one sport that they can't enjoy more than one sport and they don't want to get injured in the off season and Mm -hmm. if there's an off season and Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so it kind of takes away from some joy that a kid might have just from Mm -hmm. the sake of playing a sport with his you know, fellow students to represent his school just for the sake of mm-hmm. um, whatever joy could come out of that. So, well said. Let's transition into the biggest topic that we could think of when it comes to middle school, and that would be bullying. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a huge topic, isn't it? it has huge been a, topic, especially in the last I don't know five years. 10 years have you said I mean you've been in school counseling for 15 have you seen yes. it just exponentially get more and more attention um, the word is used more and more and yes much more attention has been brought to that yes okay. probably in the last five years I'd agree for sure so what's the best way for a parent to have a conversation with their child about bullying well I, I think that that's an everyday conversation um, 
not using those words, but um, asking them about their day, you know, mm-hmm. asking questions that they cannot answer yes and no, particularly if you have a boy, because boys <laughs> tend to shut right. you down real quick. If Did you have a good day? Yes. Um, do you have homework? No. Did you have fun at lunch? Yes. And they're kind of finished with mom. Right. So Got to ask those open-ended questions. Yes, right? you yeah. do need to ask open-ended mm-hmm. questions. So just to ask um, very thorough questions about that, but but to help them understand that they might have a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That usually relationships go two ways. And many times I think that parents want to think that it's one child, kind of one-sided, but... Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time, when you look into that, it's it's a two-sided issue. Right. And the word bullying, you know, is different than somebody has been ugly to you and somebody has mistreated you. And that mm-hmm. happens all the time. In a building with 800 kids who are learning all of these skills we've talked about, just imagine right. how many times somebody messes up. Sure. So we try to catch them. We try to teach them the right way. Um, to respond and to act socially and to be nice. But um, Mm -hmm. there are times, and we see it as adults, where it's the pecking order and someone, you know, finds someone just below you on the pecking order and they kind of target you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that any adult now in any school would want to know immediately that that was going on so that we could investigate that. Yeah. One thing that I see, um, and you can comment about this being in the in the thick of it, but using the word bullying and bully so much implies that, I mean, number one, a kid can be labeled bully, mm-hmm. and it implies that there is always a bully and a non-bully, mm-hmm. like a hammer and a nail. But I think the reality is that all of us at different points can display that behavior. So it's more Absolutely. about, hey, how are you treating these people Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis versus Mm -hmm. are you a bully or a Mm non-bully right and so I don't know if if you see that problem of kids either you know being identified as a bully or a non-bully and how that could possibly cause problems absolutely labels as you mentioned Mm -hmm. go a long long way we want to be very careful not to label anyone and to um, help them learn um as you mentioned, I'm sh- I have been ugly. Let me go back to Central Elementary School and apologize to all those girls that I was ugly to when I was growing up. I'm sure I had my share of that. So, right. um, just for the non-bully though, to help them so many times, and I, I try to use these words when I'm talking with a student who feels like they've been either bullied or mistreated, I always want to say, how can I help you with this? Because if we can impair, impa- empower those students to have those skills, to react a little bit differently, mm-hmm. again, talk about a huge life lesson. Yeah. Um, but they may be at the point where they need adult help, adult interference, if you will. So yeah. I think that you have to ask them, how can I help you with this? Um, and again, it's just teaching. It's just mm-hmm. um, we're all still learning. I'm still learning, too. So Yeah. And so from a parent to a student, it's about teaching them how to treat other people, mm-hmm. how to talk to other people, the value of another person. Mm-hmm. Because if you inherently see that everyone has value yes. and are able to be around people that you want to be around, then inherently the the bullying isn't going to um, happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Also, if you feel like 
a sense of self-value, then bullying isn't going to happen too. It's not always all right. about like how you see other people, but how you see yourself. That's right? exactly right. So I wish that I had the magic answer. You know, some, some kids can let that roll off their back mm-hmm. when somebody is ugly to them and some kids can't. Yeah. And if I just had that magic cure so that, you know, right. everybody, you could say, Oh, just don't worry about it. That, you know, you're better than that. That's not who you are as a person. Sure. But, um, it's tricky and and depending on where they are and what season of life they're in will depend on how they react to that so they may Mm -hmm. need some help with that but again going back to that has to be a daily conversation and so many times our um, our kids are looking at how the parents treat others how the parents um, treat Mm. their spouse treat other people in the neighborhood treat their neighbors treat their employees and employers so um they're they're watching us yeah very true Um, so you have to be really careful and mindful of that so what would you say to a parent whose student has continually been in trouble for bullying like the parent of the kid who is the bully well, um, I think that, <laughs> tricky question, Justin, um, I'm not placing blame on anybody, but perhaps that parent doesn't have the skill set to help that particular student see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be time to reach out to a third party, a community mental health professional and say, I've talked with this student, I've talked with my child, and we're not getting anywhere. Can mm-hmm. you help us? Um, and that's so important. We all need help with all mm-hmm. of this. It's We've talked about how overwhelming it can be. So that, that good third party, just an, a neutral person that could come in and listen and maybe provide some suggestions for parenting. Um, they don't come with instruction booklets. You know that, those <laughs> kids. So I wish they did. But just to help us better navigate that, mm-hmm. that would be a great piece of advice. Yeah. They could check with the school counselor, certainly. They can check with other friends. But again, if you're at a point where it's becoming an issue for that student, um, reaching out and, and saying, please help me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could go on and on about that topic, I think, and maybe uh, that's a separate topic that I can try to tackle another day. But (laughs) um, I'll um, let you go after you give me some brief answers to each of these next three questions. Okay. If you could tell parents of sixth graders anything, what would it be? Just if you had like five seconds with them, what would you say? Um. Trust us to know how to help your child. We've been helping sixth graders a long time in <laughs> okay. that school. Uh-huh. Um, and um, trust, your, trust your students. If you've taught them well over the years, they're growing, they're maturing, and stay in constant communication with them. Okay. Seventh grader. Seventh grade's tricky because there there are are lost in the middle group, if you will, at the middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they are beginning to get to some hard content in class, hard mm-hmm. teachers, and to encourage them to develop some good study habits. They're approaching that eighth grade year and then thinking about high school, so good good study habits would go a long way. Uh, but don't forget. They're still kids. Let them play outside and have a good time. So you probably know what my third question is going to be. Eighth graders. Yes. Yes, that's right. Eighth grade, 
Justin, they are, um, those eighth grade teachers, my hat's off to them because our eighth grade students um, are usually much taller than I am by the end of the eighth grade year. They have facial hair. They have changed dramatically since sixth graders. Um, They are looking at the high school curriculum. Um, Mm -hmm. They are under such social pressure to begin to explore different um, things that are going on Mm -hmm. in the world. So um, know where they are, know who their friends are, um, trust them, but always follow up and check on them because they are, they know a lot more on technology than I will ever know. And they are sneaky and can do a lot of, a lot of things. Um, Just, I always, I always prayed about when my kids were that age that I would catch them if they were going down the wrong path because they're probably going to go down the wrong path. But if you, as a parent, can catch them before there's a, a big consequence and mm-hmm. help them learn from that. Yeah. Um, and again, study habits um, and begin to have some goals about where they're going to go in high school and what they're going to do after high school, help them with those. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's some eighth grade itis, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like senior itis, you know? Yes, sir. So I can imagine helping them stay in the moment, enjoy where they're at and mm-hmm. be like, okay, you're only going to be an eighth grade once, mm-hmm. be an eighth grader. And then as mm-hmm. you move up. By about February, the high school says you have to pick your, um, car- your career pathway and oh, you geez. have to choose your high school schedule. Oh my. And, um, then we begin to lose them as eighth grade students because they're excited about getting out there and having all those exploratory type classes or whatever. But um, a lot of kids don't know when they're 14 what job they want to have (laughs) and what career they want to pursue. So Mm -hmm. um, they're faced with a lot of big decisions. Um, And again, kind of we talked about that with sports, kind of getting pigeonholed. I, I just wished we could... I'll take a lot of good exploratory classes before we decide what mm-hmm. we want to do when we grow up. I'm still wondering myself, what am I going to do when I grow up? What's my next thing going to be? That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Miss Clayton. Your students are very fortunate <laughs> to have such a smart, caring woman in their corner. So thank you. Well, you're welcome, Justin. Glad to be here. Just a reminder for all my listeners, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional counseling for personalized therapy. You can contact us through our website. We offer both face-to-face and telehealth, which is basically counseling on your computer or phone. And all that information is on compasscounselingky.com. Mapping Mental Health is recorded in the Compass Building on 2204 Kentucky Avenue, hosted and produced by me, Justin Lewis. Theme music is by Daniel Niehoff, and the show is made possible by Compass Council. We all have mental health. How's yours?